Welcome back to Ilewara Tiui. Thank you for tuning in. Again, I'm your host, Yemi, and I'm part of Bamishula Private Equity, where I'm the managing partner. So as always, look us up, get to know us, get to know more about the different initiatives that we hope to implement across Africa from a Pan-African perspective. Here at Ilewara Tiuni by Bamishula Private Equity, we hope to bring engaging conversations about issues that the continent of Africa faces and that other Pan-African communities face as well, and always tying them back to the perspective of potential opportunities they may fa- um, they may bring about in ways that we can turn things around to improve our continent, right, and make it that land of milk and honey that it actually truly is. So today, I want to just discuss surrounding the topical area of why Pan-Africanists need to be concerned about Western policies that are affecting Africa. So if you live in Africa, if you consider yourself to be a Pan-Africanist, and even if you're not, as a Black person or an African person in the diaspora, you still need to be concerned about the Western policies that are affecting the continent. So we're going to discuss a couple of topics, and then we'll go in-depth, taking the example of the control that France has over some of the Francophone African countries in relation to bank reserves. So to start out with, why should you be concerned as a Pan-Africanist about Western policies in Africa? Well, we all know about the legacy of slavery and we know about the legacies of colonialism. And you need to be thinking about the historical exploitation that has already occurred and whether or not you want to continue allowing that exploitation to continue. So we know that Western countries and foreign national companies that are in Africa, we know that they are still exploiting us to this day, we know that they are mining precious minerals and other things. So whether it's oil, whether it's agricultural products, whether it's gold or uranium or other precious minerals, we know that we are not receiving much of the value from those products, but yet they are creating much value in other parts of the world. And we even find ourselves in this predicament where that which they're taking from us, we don't even have on our end. So when you think about things like electricity and a situation in a place like Niger, where they, that is a country that is very much unelectrified, yet we know that their minerals that are being exploited by France are providing 
about a third of the electrical needs of France. And when you go to France, you're not going to say or think about an issue of um, people not having electricity. Yet in Africa, to be frank and a little bit explicit, we're expected to be content with living in the dark ages. It doesn't make sense for us to continue to build other people's homes without building our own first. And so it's important for us to take an interest in the different Western policies and influences that are in the continent of Africa and how we need to break those chains of the legacy of colonialism that just allows them to this day to continue to exploit us. That's a relationship that if we consider ourselves to be independent countries um, should not still be there. There should be mutual benefit of some sort on the table. And when the scales are highly imbalanced, that's something that we need to be thinking about. And then to bring it to an economic perspective, it's not just about, okay, you want electricity in your countries, or you want to um, industrialize within your countries using your own materials. There's an economic factor to this that also matters as well. So yes, a lot of value creation is happening with African minerals and, and resources outside of the continent. But from an economic perspective as well, um, one of the things that has been circulating is that Niger increased the price of its uranium pretty much to match the price that is out there on the world market from, that other countries are selling their uranium, uranium at. Well, as a part of the military occupation that is currently there, without that, it's a very wide gap for the value that they were receiving before. That's a huge economic factor, and just that alone should provide more stimulus in the, in the economy of Niger. So maintaining the status quo of the control of the legacy of colonialism has an economic effect that is keeping us in a place where we do not need to be. We need to be able to sell our goods and our resources if we are going to sell them to the world at prices that are determined to be fair for us. And so within our continent, I think you will find that if studies were to be done about what it really means to sell things at fair and good prices, then we would have to start evaluating what is the true cost of living to the folks that are doing the work to produce or mine and etc. 
these goods, what is their true cost of, of living? And what is the true cost of production? And all of these things that you would evaluate within a business to be able to set proper prices. But oftentimes, to use a high-level example, a high-level simple example, you have institutions such as um, this rubber tire company, Firestone, I believe it is. And if I'm wrong, apologize for that. You have companies like Firestone that will set whatever the price is for the rubber that they're going to purchase. And we know that they have big contracts in places like Liberia, I believe, and probably other countries. So they're setting the price. And because they're so large, it's take it or leave it. But that take it or leave it is not coming from us, it's coming from them. And oftentimes you have this situation where people don't even know or aren't aware at the very basic level of what are the market prices for these things. If you go and look at the derivative exchanges and you look at the prices as compared to the prices that are just being handed to those farmers or et cetera that are, are sometimes selling those types of resources, they're just, they're quite unaware. And even if they were all made aware, they don't have much power. But the reality is these larger corporations or these other governments, if they do not have resources of their own and a majority of the resources that the world needs, we have in our continent, that means we do have a collective power to actually set fair prices and put ourselves in a better economic place than where we currently find ourselves. So I think that is very important for us to continue going down this, this road of countries like Burkina Faso and be serious as a continent about putting ourselves in a better economic place, making sure the deals that we make with foreign countries, if we're going to make them, are fair and equitable, that they truly take into account the needs of our people, the quality of life of our people, and that we are not just taking the scraps that are handed to us. And so we also know that there are other factors that are at play, things like political interference, where we have Western countries trying to hand down to us the policies that they have um, when we might not even have the same sort of cultures and or the same sort of morals and sets of beliefs. Um, and we really need to be in a place where we can look at the greater good for our own people again, without worrying about the fear of the Western 
political interference within Africa because it oftentimes can destabilize us or put us in places where you end up with things like these coups um, because we need to be worried about our own self-determination and we don't need to be worried about the thoughts of these Western nations. They are not our colonial masters anymore. And so again, back to that argument of if we're going to truly say that we are independent from them, then we actually have to be independent from them. We can take good guidance, but oftentimes we are truly being manipulated and we know that they are the invisible hand that is not really that invisible um, for people who are just starting to realize that there is that invisible hand. It has been there and it's one that we need to start to shake off and have respectable alliances and relationships that are built from better ground than where they currently are. So I want to move towards talking about the situation with France and them holding African bank reserves. So we know there are several countries that are a part of Francophone Africa, and there are a lot of folks that have talked a lot about the relationship with France and other, and some of the Francophone African countries, and how France has been seen as pretty much the worst former colonial power in terms of the harsh relationships that they're still enforcing, and how they made these countries sign pacts which are effectively still keeping them in col- in colonialism under the false pretense of independence when they are not truly independent, right? So what I want to talk about here is some negative impacts of France holding African bank reserves. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because bringing everything full circle in this podcast, it's not about just talking about our issues or who's to blame for our issues. It's saying, okay, these are our issues and what can we do about them? And if we do something about these things, how are they going to, how are they going to provide a better environment for investment? How are they going to provide a better future for the continent? So here are some of the impacts of France holding African bank reserves. And um, you can listen to Dr. Ari Khanna um, and several other parties that will explain to you more about the different uh, negative impacts of France on the Francophone African countries. And I just want to go through the effects of France holding African bank reserves, some of the re- the effects here. So one thing is the concept of limited monetary autonomy. So if you don't have much control over your own monetary policy, 
Um, you don't have much decisions over your interest rates uh, and your currency values. And everything is being dictated by uh, the French economic interests rather than that of your own nation. You're putting your people in a place where the value of their goods, the value of their salaries, and etc., is something that's pretty much out of their control. And it also puts you in an economic dependence situation that's negative. So, you know, relying on France to be able to manage bank reserves, it definitely puts us in a place of dependence. And they have done this with this attitude of saying that we don't know, we don't have the knowledge to know how to manage our own, our own funding. And so this makes it hard for us to be able to make our own independent financial decisions um, and to try to diversify different economic strategies. So if you just think about it, oftentimes we complain about why African countries aren't improving. And if you want to improve yourself and you come up with different strategies for what can be done to invest in things like infrastructure, what can be done to invest in manufacturing, what can be done to electrify the nations, um, and you have sound strategies, everything that you want to do comes down a lot of the times to money. You have to have capital to put up for any of these strategic decisions that you want to make. And if someone else is controlling your money, it doesn't matter how many good ideas you think that you have. Because if you have to have permission from them to use your own capital, and they have the right to tell you yes or no with no good reason, then that means you can sit down and ideate all you want. You are not going to make any progress if they don't allow you to. And the reality is that the interests of the French may not be the interests of the Francophone African countries. And um, the re reality that is that those two interests don't align. If they did align, you wouldn't have the complaints that you're seeing. You wouldn't have people in Niger um, saying that they want the French to no longer be in their country. You wouldn't have had Burkina Faso um, kicking the French out of their country. The interests don't align. And we're being and being forced to staying in these status quos or these situations that are not good for us because we have no control. Um, so there's also other issues with things like foreign exchange rates um, that can become an issue. It makes it hard to implement different fiscal policies. Um, it fosters things like unequal economic partnerships and just a lot of other inequality and potential things like social unrest and 
and trade imbalances and, and limited infrastructure investment. So I just want to bring these topics to light and continue to discuss different issues that are affecting the continent and have them in mind for folks. Because if we do something about these things and we all stand up for the best interests of ourselves as collective peoples, we can create Ilewara Tiwi, which is the land of milk and honey. We have a continent that is very robust. Everything we need to survive is there. And it's up to us to take care of it. If you don't take care of your own house, how long can you expect for it to stand? So we're seeing an environment where people are claiming that they want to see Africa rise and move out of this period of neocolonialism and imperialism. And if this is the truth, I think it provides a great space and opportunity for people who are investing in Africa to partner to foresee that future. Now, I know there are a lot of different interests in Africa and folks that are investing in Africa. And I think that foreign investment is okay. But I also think it's very important for the majority of investments within our continent to start to come from a Pan-African perspective. And the reason why is that if we invest as Pan-Africanists, we can make sure that we are investing in the areas of need to actually improve the quality of our people's lives and to invest in the development of our nations. And this is very key and important because the interests of um, foreign investors might not be the same thing as developing our nations. There might be some development that happens as a consequence of the value that they want to create. But for us from a Pan-African um, perspective, it's not just about value creation alone. It's not just about capital appreciation alone. And those are things that will happen because there's so much potential that's untapped within the continent. But from a Pan-African perspective, I believe that we really need to be concerned about our people and our quality of life our ownership over our lands and we would have more care for our own house and we will make sure that we have electricity that we have roads that we have schools that we have hospitals that we have all the things that we need whereas sometimes foreign investment will not do any of that for you if it's not a requirement so, for example, maybe a road doesn't get built unless that road is going to lead to um, quicker turnaround times or less um, inventory 
spoilage and more efficiencies for a foreign national company. Or they might give you a concession of something, but they're not doing it because they want to see you do better. They're doing it because it's going to help them increase their bottom line. Again, I have no problem with foreign investment, but I think the majority of investments in Africa needs to come from a Pan-African perspective. And I think that's something that's very vital that we take a look into because we are losing ownership of our lands. We are losing ownership over our minerals and etc. And that's a very dangerous thing. We don't want to see in Africa, I don't want to see in Africa, that just has African people living within it as slaves. And if we get to this place where we own nothing on our continent, which is where we're going towards, we will be in a bad way. So we have an opportunity to not allow that to happen. And if we really think about the greater good of our continent, then there is a lot of investment to be made. There's a lot of return to be made. There's a lot of value to be created. And I want to challenge all of the African GPs and investors who are African to step up and have a voice, a respectful voice, when it comes to issues that are affecting the continent. So we have this environment where there has been a lot of coups. And I think it's very important that we start to hear the voices of those of you who have been investing in Africa and have large platforms. We want to hear, I want to hear those voices because if we're all silent and we just worry about ourselves, then the Western influences, they have no challenge. So for example, there have been a lot of threats with the situation in Niger of attacking Niger. And so far, I believe the power of seeing that the Nigerian people standing up and supporting their current situation, along with Burkina Faso and Mali and other countries standing up to stand in their corner. I believe that that is what may deter or at least delay these threats from materializing. And it's very important because if we see a future in Niger where 
that foreign influence starts to go away, then you can see a future where African companies, or even if it's not African companies, could start to exploit the minerals that are actually there in Niger for the building of Niger. So electrifying the country of Niger, giving jobs to the people, good quality jobs to those people, and allowing them to feed themselves, allowing, allowing them to have a better quality of life. That's not charity. In that process, so much value can be created. So much circular wealth can be created. And that can be done in collaboration with other African companies. It doesn't have to be done by Nigerians. It can employ Nigerians and we can take some of that knowledge that we have across the continent to be a part of that building. That is value creation. That is capital. That is return. And it's right there. So there is opportunity. And we need as investors in Africa to have a voice because you're not going to always see a situation where maybe you have that Burkina Faso and that Mali standing behind Niger. If that wasn't the case, we might have seen other things happening. And I think it's a challenge to M MDs, GPs, other large investors and corporations throughout Africa, through Africa that are African owned to stand up and start to have a voice. Because together we have power and separate, we don't have much. So I, I thank you all, anyone who's listening to this. I want to say that um, I'm a Pan-Africanist and looking to do many great things across the, the continent from a Pan-African perspective. I mean no harm to anyone, but I'm an African first. Um, and so that's where my heart is. And I just want to encourage you all to do your part. We all have to do our part to make the continent better. I think I know what mine is. And you need to go and find yours. So thank you so much. Um, until next time.